eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now that the anti-glazer protests continue to mount for Manchester United, we try and explain everything behind the reasoning of the protests. We have James Ben joining us to discuss what's been going on with Manchester United, not just now, not just recently, but in the past 16 years, and what's the future of Manchester United. We also have Fabrizio Romano to discuss the latest transfer news with Man United and many other clubs, as well as Inter Milan and their plans in the summer after winning Scudetto for the first time in more than a decade. Kego Lasso begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Kego Lasso on this Monday and with me is James Bench. James, how are you my friend? Yeah, I'm good. Um, Today's the furthest we can be away from Sunday, which clearly is the day where all hell breaks loose in the Premier League. So I'm relieved. It's a whole six days until we have to think about how dreadful Sundays are. I know, seriously, it's just ridiculous. Uh, but James, thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Welcome to Kiego Lasso. We wanted to begin this episode. Usually Fabrizio kicks us off, but Fabrizio will be in the second part of this episode because I think something that is more alarming, and James Bench will uh, attest to this, is just the Manchester United situation. And I wanted to give a little bit more context to this, obviously, as well as the most recent updates. As everybody knows, Manchester United, Liverpool was postponed. We still don't know um, the game, when it will be rescheduled. James will give us a little bit more updates on that. But obviously, the protests inside Old Trafford, there's so much to this. And I just wanted to bring in James to really break it all down. So the first thing is, James, I, I just, where are we right now as we're taping? So obviously this is a, a really fluid situation, but I think right now we're starting to get to the bottom of not, I mean, we all know what happened, but how it came about yesterday that you found, um, I, I think several hundred Manchester United supporters on the old Trafford pitch. Um, I'm not going to sort of say, you know, what we know now know um, Manchester United just issued a statement saying that, you know, some fans climbed over the gates into the Munich tunnel and allowed other supporters in that way. There had been speculation and there always is speculation at a time like this, that there may have been some inside men, some, some staff that let them in. Um, that's been United are insisting that that's not the case and that no reason to doubt that. Um, there is, you know, ongoing investigations by the club, by Greater, Man- or by Greater Manchester Police, Trafford Council, uh, the Premier League, about how this happened and how it cannot happen again. Because I think one thing that was very clear in some of the statements from supporters, from the Man United Supporters Trust, is though, though they don't want to see, you know, fixtures being uh, cancelled constantly and, you know, they don't want to throw Manchester United's season into turmoil. 
that there will be further protests. This is not the end of, uh, you know, the Glazer Out movement. And I think we kind of know when Man United fans believe the Glazer Out movement will end, it's in the it's in the title. So we also have the FA right now saying that they're intending to conduct a bigger investigation into the European Super League, the, the actions of the breakaway clubs. It would certainly sound possible that that could end in some sanctions to, to Man United uh, and the other five clubs or potentially their owners. We're still really in flux right now, but um, a re- this yesterday was a really significant day in English football. In my, uh, certainly in my lifetime, I think it's the first time I've seen a, a top level game postponed because of um, because of the, a, a fan protest. It's the first time in the Premier League. That's that's for certain. That's a fact. So um, kind of where everyone in English football is still trying to process what happened, trying to understand everyone's point of view. Um, no one is obviously endorsing those that went too far but also everyone understands that there's always going to be a few idiots in a crowd of several thousand yeah no absolutely and this is why we wanted james here because aside from just the updates i wanted to just offer a little bit more context obviously this has many implications and there's actually a threat that goes way deeper than just a one day and i think the super league was probably you know the tipping point right that that sort of uh, capitalized a, a lot of frustration with Manchester United fans. I talked to many of them, specifically some as well from the Supporters Trust. Obviously, a letter came out already voicing their anger. And I wanted to ask James to just give us a little context, especially for those, you know, because this pod is very international and many are older and they know the 90s Manchester United. They know the 80s Manchester United. They know the history that comes with it. And this is a very different Manchester United these days. uh, And it hasn't been you know, just uh, recently, it's been coming. So, James, why is there so much frustration with Manchester United and the Glazer family? I mean, this you take this right back to when Malcolm Glazer, uh, the late Malcolm Glazer, first began investing and buying up shares in Manchester United, which goes back to 2003. At the time, he insisted there would be no, you know, it was widely known that this was the the, the start of a takeover bid. And at the time, he insisted it would not be a leverage takeover bid, which is what it was to briefly explain. In the simplest terms, the Glazers used Manchester United's own assets to buy Manchester United. So there is a loan on Manchester United's books. It remains there. You know, there is they have they have developed debt thanks to the Glazers buying this club off the open market. Now, we should also say Manchester United were debt free prior to the purchase by the Glazers. The rebuild of Old Trafford, which turned it into, I think we would also agree, one of the great stadia in the world in the mid-2000s, was financed by Manchester United's own earnings. There was, was no debt on the books. They were the model club. Uh, if we look at it now, there is significant debt, you know, uh, uh, hundreds of millions of debt on the books. And in the period since, um, from 2005, when the Glazers took full ownership to 2018, around a billion pounds was taken out of the club in interest payments on the loan, in financing, and crucially, and this has happened recently, in dividends to the shareholders. And obviously for the most part, those shareholders are the Glazer family. They earn, I believe, or you know, in, in good times, they earned around 15 million pounds a year from owning Manchester United. So there are those who will argue that, you know, the Glazers fund spend or that there is money is spent at Manchester United we see this in recent years only Man City have spent more in transfer money but again this is money that Manchester United earned for themselves and 
fans' real issue is that there's a bit of billion pounds that's been taken out of this club to finance the purchase of it and to keep the Glazers as owners. And they don't like the club. I mean, you know, that's money that Manchester United could have used to develop in other ways. I think, you know, from a fan experience, when you go to Old Trafford now, it hasn't improved since the mid 2000s. Um, you know, there are holes in the roof. If it rains heavily, I remember covering a game um, early last season, uh, an away game, and you, I was getting rained on <laughs> under old under the roof of Old Trafford. And this is, you know, a, 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 supposed to be a cathedral of sport. And I think it's that that's uh, that sense that there's no one kind of really keeping, you know, that that's money that could all have gone elsewhere, could have gone to improving the fan experience. It could have gone to buying better players. That's part of it, but it's not all of it. And it's not, we heard some spurious, you know, claims about this. It's not about the fact that Manchester United aren't successful because we should point out that right now in footballing terms, they're as good as they've been since Sir Alex Ferguson left. You know, they're going to be in the Europa League final. They're going to be second in the Premier League, we suspect. Um, So I think we've got to be clear about what the issue is here. You know, there are owners there that, that do not care particularly or don't give the impression that they care about this club that haven't really engaged with supporters and have been taking money out of Manchester United to fund other things, to fund, you know, the, their own lifestyles, to fund other sporting endeavours, other parts of the, the Glazer business. This is yeah. what it comes down to. This is the complaints of Man United fans. Really well explained there, James. And I, just a few things that I wanted to uh, bring to attention and, and further the conversation before, uh, of course, we have Fab Romano talking a little later as well on some other things, but I wanted to focus Still on Manchester United, because here's a few things. Uh, James, in the weekend recap, I said that Manchester United, and listen, you know, I know this club there. My dad, you know, uh, you know, now gone, but a, a passionate Manchester United fan growing up in England. We would, you know, remember watch Villa and United and me crying at every time United would get one over Villa every time. And of course, buying my heroes and Dwight York, et cetera. <laughs> but, you know, that was a different time. And you mentioned, obviously, about just the way that Old Trafford is and everything. In the recap, I called it a sort of a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound situation where like over and over again, they just want to keep trying to just put a Band-Aid over the bigger issue, which is what you just said, the financials, the economics, but also, and this is key, everybody, the engagement or lack of engagement with the Manchester United community. There is no communication between ownership, right? And what's happening with the club, what's happening with the academy, what's happening with the infrastructure of it. That's a major thing. At least there's many examples of international owners, not just Americans, who at the very least try and understand the community and the fans and the club. This, James, seems like, no, there is clearly not a conversation. There isn't a line of thread. Do you think that there is any chance because I think I have the answer in my own head, but I really would love to know. Do you think there's any chance that, because, you know, we've heard Gary Neville, our own Peter Schmeichel talking to Roger Gonzalez, CBS Sports. There is obviously this like energy to try and say, let's just sell it. But do you think the Glazers would even contemplate selling this club? Not really, no. Um, now is not a great time to sell. You've just seen your, uh, you've just seen your pet project, your ultimate insurance against sporting failure collapse. Um, it isn't a great, isn't a great market right now for selling of sports teams. There aren't people that can pay. There aren't many that can pay you the price. We've seen past reports of interest from the Saudis 
And I can assure you that I think Manchester United fans would be very, very uncomfortable about a Saudi, Saudi Arabian takeover. You know, one of the things that was really clear in the, uh, you know, among the protesters was a lot of fans calling for the 50 plus one ownership yeah. model. Um, how and it was part of the letter of the supporters trust as well. One of them was one of those points was that, right? Yeah. And I, I mean, you know, the, the specifics of getting from where we are now to there seem hugely challenging, but that to me seems like a more likely route out of the current ownership crisis, not just at Manchester United. I mean, we've spoken about Arsenal quite a lot, so I won't dig too deep into that, but having some fan engagement around here, it just is not a market for um, teams like Man United. Again, I don't want to keep coming back to Arsenal, but this I think this is a powerful example. Daniel Ek trying to buy Arsenal. He's worth $4.5 billion, give or take. He can't afford to buy Arsenal. He yeah. cannot put together an offer that makes the Cronkies go, we'll sell in all, you know, on his own, he'd need to be part of a consortium and you'd need that times two for Manchester United, arguably, you know, you need an even bigger consortium or you need a sovereign wealth fund or an ultra billionaire, you know, and there are a few of them on the ground, you know, the, it is the jewel in the crown of the Glazers sporting empire, as well as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have done in the NFL. This is one of the biggest uh, sporting institutions in the world, if not the biggest, it's not something you look to cash in on right now. So I totally understand um, why the supporters want to put pressure. And really, you kind of are totally entitled to just try and make it so hostile towards ownership that they just think, I don't want to deal with this. But people like the Glazers, people like FSG, like the Cronkies, they are relatively distant from these protests. They aren't feeling them up close and personal. It's not a huge hit in their wallet yet. Um, you know, th th these are successful businessmen. They can, they, you know, you don't make a billion dollars worrying about people's feelings. Um, to put it in glib terms. So sadly, I don't really see this being something that will force the Glazers to sell, but I do think it's something that will force others to act and maybe even the Glazers to act and listen, but you might not be able to force them to sell. Yeah. And by the way, just a, a key point as well. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has done tremendously throughout all this. Uh, you know, I think in spite of what's going on, you mentioned obviously right now, second in the table, of course, in the, you know, one uh, sniff away from the Europa League final. So there are good things, but I do believe it's in spite of what's happening. Some of the things that the supporters trust want, us, want right now, as James mentioned, obviously is, uh, and I'm reading right now from the open letter, willingly and openly engage and promote the government-initiated fan-led review of football and use this as an opportunity to rebalance the current ownership structure in favor of the supporters. Um, you know, they want independent directors to the board. They want to. They want uh, the, the ownership to work with the Manchester United Supporters Trust because according to this letter, there's been no communication at all in 16 years. Obviously, a commitment to full consultation with season ticket holders. That really takes you very close to the 50 plus one type of rules that you see across uh, Germany and obviously as well in, in Spain, to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, and also, you know, uh, they really just want, in these four points, the overlying thread is talk to us. Let's talk. Let's have a conversation. And as you mentioned, they, they have at this moment, we haven't seen any kind of evidence to show that they really want to do anything like that. Uh, do you think that if they're not going to sell, uh, uh, will they be a change of uh, strategy or relationship uh, as we move ahead? 
think a lot of this comes down to who succeeds Ed Woodward. Um, if we're to believe some briefs, he's resigned in protest at the Super League. If we're to believe those briefs, we are being naive in the extreme. He has not written, no one believes, no one I speak to believes he resigned because of the Super League. No. Um, he will be replaced. I believe he's due to leave later this year. Um, he will obviously be replaced. Uh, a very, you know, he will be whoever replaces him will be responsible for a lot of the day-to-day management that's all been delegated to Woodward. And one thing I would note, it was nowhere near up to the level that United fans are entitled to expect. But Woodward was at least taking strides to kind of bring an understanding of United back within the club. You know, bringing in people like Carrick, Darren Fletcher, obviously recently appointed to. I believe it's technical director. I, I remember they fudged some of the titles a little bit around that. Um, Solskjaer as well, Mike Phelan. Um, now that needs to happen at a higher level. Um, I'm looking at the board now. You have the Glazers among the directors, um, you know, and then people like Richard Arnold, who've been very influential on the commercial side, several independent directors that have broadly come from, you know, places like Ro- Robert Letau, come from Rothschild, not really people that have a great connection with the supporter, the, the general supporter. Um, I think that's where across England and potentially by this government led review of football ownership, what may well need to happen is spaces for supporters on the board so that they are in the room when these conversations are taking place. Uh, and I think there's a will within British football and potentially within the British government, because it's, it is, a vote winner uh, to give fans real teeth in football boardrooms across the country. Um, you know, it, it's really hard to know right now how much, how much this changes anything because th- there's equally, there's an argument that all this will do, you know, this won't force owners out. What it might do is force owners to just think, you know, why are we losing our prime time Sunday 4.30 TV slot? Yeah, because of the actions of some local fans, let's take the you know these games would be better off in Dubai. We're not going to yeah. get any protests if we hold them in uh, Indonesia. We're not going to have any. Well, actually, that's quite a hard, bad example because there's a huge, <laughs> huge Manchester United, United fan base in Indonesia. Yeah. But I mean, you know what I mean. Like, get, you know, yeah. we need to start. Actually, what we need to do is just not ask permission and not apologize and, and push through. That would be my fear. But I think there is reason to believe that what is coming out at a governmental level might start giving fans a little bit more power in these conversations. So that's really what it's about. This is the only power they had. And as much as, you know, there were certain people who were really unhappy about uh, half empty beer cans being thrown at them. Um, you know, and as much as we don't approve of the actions of the, the, the most visible tiny minority of idiots, um, this is the only way they can get their message across right now. They're, they haven't got these conversations. They aren't getting to have these conversations. Um, you know, the Glazers have not sat down with Manchester United fans since the Super League. Same is true of uh, John W. Henry, Abramovich, the uh, the, the group from um, Abu Dhabi, Levy and Spurs supporters uh, in the Spurs ownership. They're not talking. They're, 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 this whole thing has collapsed and no one is is really treating fans with enough respect to actually have a conversation with them. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as United fans said, sorry's not good enough. And I think that, you know, something has to actually tangibly happen. Um, I hope, and I think we all hope it's in, the, it's in a direction that understands, you know, 
supporters that are there week in, week out, or were there week in, week out, and will be there week in, week out from next season, hopefully, and really engages with them and international supporters. Um, but I think it is, we shouldn't forget that what's hanging over this is the, the threat that the Premier League and European football, as we know it, may still be ripped apart, maybe torn away from fans. So it is at a tipping point right now, English football and probably European football. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, to be honest with you, success on the pitch might serve as counterproductive, I hate to say it sometimes, because they could be like, no, look, we're winning on the pitch. We're winning Europa League. We're second in the Premier League. And, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how this summer and, and, and obviously into the new season develops, of course, especially because all of this, this proverbial volcano that has erupted also comes at the cost of the fact that there hasn't been anybody inside the stadium. So this is really, there's just an overall frustration. But James Bench, always so good to have you. Thank you so much for the context, James Bench. You can follow him on Twitter, cbsports.com. He's going to be back as well, obviously, for our uh, Champions League semifinal second leg preview, as well as Europa League. James, thank you so much, buddy. Thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Hey, everybody, make sure that you stay with us. Fabrizio Romano joins us very, very soon to discuss the latest, including Inter Milan winning Scudetto and what's next for the brand new Serie A champions. We'll be back right after this. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Kego Lasso. And of course, Mondays mean one thing. Fabrizio Romano. Fabrizio, how are you, my friend? Hello, my friend. I'm fine. Thank you. Hello from Italy. I'm really happy for the Champions League semifinals week and Europa League and many big times coming. So also transfers are coming. And so we are really, really buzzing and ready. Absolutely. And I know that you're buzzing, of course, Inter Milan. We're going to talk about Inter Milan very soon. Don't you worry. But I wanted to begin uh, following from James Benjes. I wanted to just stick with Manchester United for a second, Fabrizio Romano. Um, what is the latest in terms of their transfer deals? I know that Edison Cavani is, is the number one topic right now. What's the latest with him? 
Yes, it's number one topic also because Eric Bailey extended his contract with Manchester United and is an important step, but we know that they are also looking for a centre-back. But now the main topic is Edinson Cavani because as Solskjaer said, they want to keep him. They absolutely want Cavani and Manchester United also in the next season. So they're working about it. They're really confident from Manchester United because two months ago, Cavani was even tempted by coming back in South America with Boca Juniors pushing, offering him a two-year contract, as we say many times. So they were prepared and ready to try for Cavani to Boca Juniors. But now the situation is different. Cavani is in a fantastic form as we're looking in the Europa League and not only. So that's why Manchester United are pushing with his agents and with Cavani himself to stay at Manchester United for one more season. This week, new console will go on between Manchester United and the agents of Cavani. But the player seems really now tempted and open to stay in Manchester United for one more season. So Manchester United are getting confident on this side and I think Cavani can stay really for one more season at Old Trafford. That's great news uh, because I was wondering, obviously you can't give me a certain here, Fabrizio, but I was wondering your thoughts. How much does everything that's going on with United, how much that has influenced the decision of a player? Because obviously, you know, we were talking about when the Super League news were coming out and you had players texting you, asking you what's going on. I just wonder how much they take all of this in and how much that influences certain players. To be honest, I think they can understand the feeling of the fans. Obviously, what they did is not the best way to show you are against something, but for sure, uh, it's not going to influence, in my opinion, the decision about the Manchester United project. They are still happy with the club, happy with the project. They know that the moment is complicated because of what's happened with the Super League. So for sure, they can understand the situation. But at the moment, I don't have anything like big influence or I want to leave the club because of this. So the atmosphere remains positive. Obviously, they need to fix the situation between the club, the ownership and the fans. But for sure, the players are quite happy at the moment and open to go on with Manchester United project. And of course, they have major objectives still, the Europa League and of course, uh, making sure that they have a Champions League spot for next season. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about Inter Milan. Fabrizio Romano, after 11 years, more than a decade, Scudetto, finally going to Internazionale. Antonio Conte doing a great job. What's the overall mood there with Inter Milan? And what, what what's the plans this summer? Because I'm sure that they're also not going to be happy about the fact that, you know, they got knocked out of the Champions League uh, and, you know, there was no Europa League or anything. So I'm sure there's big plans for the summer as well. Yes, it's time to plan for the future. Inter are so happy because they were needing absolutely to win and they signed Antonio Conte two years ago because they wanted to win. And Antonio is a serial winner, in my personal opinion. He's one of the best managers in the world. Imagine what he did with Juventus, arriving from the seventh place in the table and winning Scudetto for four seasons in a row and then going to Chelsea at the first step and winning the league with Chelsea. And then with the national team of Italy, arriving to the semifinals of the Euros with a team who was not at this level and now coming to Inter and winning again. So Antonio is a serial winner, really. He's incredible. His mentality, his power with the players, he's been key to sign also some players because if Inter won the Scudetto, it's also thanks to players like Lukaku and having Antonio Conte was the key to sign these players. If, if you don't have Antonio Conte, you can't sign this kind of players. At the moment, we know so well that the situation in Inter before Antonio Conte was not so good. Now with Antonio is another planet. Talking about this future, Antonio 
in the last hours was saying, I still don't know. Let's see what happens. Now it's time to celebrate. Then let's see what happens because Conte wants to meet directly with the owners of Inter. Now the president, Steven Zhang, he's in Milano. So they will meet in the next days. They will plan for the next season. But Antonio Conte is so clear. He wants to win. He always wants to win. Now it's time to celebrate the Scudetto. But starting from next week, 100% Antonio will start thinking about the next league, the next Champions League, as you mentioned, because last campaign in Champions League was terrible from Inter. So that's why they, he wants to change again the team. He wants to have some new players. And the financial situation with Inter at the moment is not so easy. So they need to decide together about new signings, planning for the players, who is going to be sold, because for sure Inter also needs to sell players, as we say, for all the top clubs in the world, it's the same for Inter. So they need to plan for the future. And that's why Antonio is saying, OK, now we need to meet and then let's see what happens. So I think Antonio Conte will stay, but the situation is still open and they need to discuss, they need to talk and they need to improve the squad. So that's why they're going to plan in the next days. And let's see. At the moment, I can tell you that the intention of the club is keeping Romero Lukaku because there are many rumors about Lukaku coming back to the Premier League. They want to continue with Antonio Conte on the bench. And if you want to keep Antonio Conte, you have to keep also Romero Lukaku because they have a strong relationship and they want this Scudetto together. Absolutely. Those are the two main key points for Inter Milan. All right, let's go back to the Premier League for a second, because uh, obviously there's uh, plenty of clubs interested in Konate, I believe, Liverpool leading the race. What's the latest there? Step by step, but Liverpool are getting really closer uh, to signing Konate. The agreement is really, really close, will be completed in the next days, I'm told. So Konate will play for Liverpool, it, no surprise will be, but I'm really convinced that he's joining uh, Anfield also because he wanted to join Liverpool uh, with Jurgen Klopp pushing. He's convinced that he could be the perfect centre-back for the next season. So the agreement for five years contract is almost ready. Konate is really, really close to join Liverpool. Also, other Premier League clubs were talking with his agents but now Liverpool are leading the race and convinced they can pay the close to Leipzig around 35 million euro in the next weeks and complete the signing because Konate is really, really close to Liverpool. Wow. Okay. Well, somebody that obviously it's still going to be a, a conversation here is Erling Haaland because this story, this narrative for Rito keeps changing. Obviously, he's going to be a hot commodity no matter what happens with Borussia Dortmund right now looking a little better, obviously, uh, in the German Cup final, but also looking to get that Champions League spot. And what's the latest from them? Because obviously they want to keep them. How realistic is it that they keep Erling Haaland? They're trying. They're trying with all efforts because as Vasquez said, he's 100% convinced that Solan is staying. And the same from Zork, the sport director. So they are talking also in public and not only to Raiola because remember that one month ago, they met with Wiener Raiola and they said, we want a player to stay. 100%. We are not selling Holland this summer. And now also in public, they are doing the same. They want to convince the player, you have to stay here, spend another season with Borussia Dortmund. And then in 2022, with the release close, 75 million euro, you will be able to decide for your next club and leave Borussia Dortmund. So this is the strategy for Borussia Dortmund. Let's see, because Mina and in his last interview said, okay, this is the position of the club. But maybe I have another position and he wants to try to find something. But we have to remember, if you want to sign Holland this summer, you have to spend 150 million euros, no less than this. And in my opinion, it will be complicated also because Minoraiola is asking for his commission and Holland is asking for an important contract for five years. So in this summer, with financial complicated situation, let's see who can pay this money. Remember what Pep Guardiola said for Manchester City and what Florentino Perez said for Real Madrid after the Super League collapsing. So for sure, it won't be so easy and Borussia Dortmund are prepared to fight. Let's see if someone will arrive with an important bid what they will decide. 
Yeah, absolutely. After the Super League crumbling down, obviously clubs uh, available and financially available to play f- uh, to pay for Haaland is going to be much more complicated. Fabrizio Romano, always good to have you. I know that you're a happy man, of course, as Serie will join CBS Sports and we're going to get more and more next season as well. Fabrizio, thank you so much, brother. Thank you, my brother. And really, Serie are going on an interesting level, trust me. So follow us on CBS Sports and Kego Lazio will be amazing, trust me, with Inter, Similan, Juventus, Napoli, Atalanta, many top clubs fighting to, for the Scudetto next summer. I'm sure we'll say big things also in the market. So follow us. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Fab. Hey, everybody. I want to thank James Bench and Fabrizio Romano for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Pod. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review. We are also on Spotify, Stitcher, CBSports.com. We are on YouTube, YouTube.com forward slash Lasso, where you can watch all the episodes. May is going to be crazy. The Champions League final, the end of domestic seasons. And we look ahead to the summer as well with plenty more to come. So keep following, keep supporting Kego Lasso. Have a great, great rest of your week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.